Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everyone. Wonderful, wonderful to see all of you here this morning in person. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been good the last few weeks to see some familiar faces back uh, here in person. We're really glad that you're getting to a point where you're feeling comfortable. I know that all of us are starting to feel more of a kind of an exhale right now as the numbers are coming down, as vaccines are going up. And how many of you here are gunning for that million dollars here in Ohio? Come on, let's be honest, right? Um, we are all excited about the possibility of winning one of those five $1 million because we've been vaccinated. So we'll see. Well, this morning, there's been a, a passage that's been stirring and kind of tumbling around in my heart as I've been looked out this morning on the beautiful morning, a uh, little bit cloudy, overcast, but sun peeking through. I noticed that it rained a little bit overnight. And uh, just thinking about the, the beauty of God and his creation that he's given to us. Uh, I can't help but think what the psalmist said. You know, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you give thought to him. That God cares for us uh, in our lives, regardless of what is going on, where we are, we know that we have a constant in God. That God is always thinking about us. And, and the passage that's been going through my heart is one that uh, many of you are familiar with, some of you may not be. One of our elders a few weeks ago actually shared this with me, and I've been thinking a lot about it since, but here's the, the passage out of Lamentations chapter 3. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. For the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Anyone else here find themselves having to wait quietly and patiently for God to act on their behalf, for the salvation of the Lord to come through. I mean, I think we all find ourselves at different stages in life where we need God to show up for us. We need God to come through for us. And here is the one constant that you can always count on. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so this morning, as we gather together as the family of God, as the body of Christ, we have that constant. We have that assurance. So whether you're here with us in person, whether you're joining us by way of our broadcast this morning from home, we're thankful that you're with us. And we want to welcome especially those that may be newer to Grace Crossing Church. If you're a new friend of Grace Crossing Church, if you've been here in person or you're joining us from home, can you let us know? We would love to be able to welcome you to celebrate uh, you being with us and just say thank you in an appropriate way. For those in person, you can stop at our Connection Center following the service. Just let us know that you're here. Uh, and we would love to, again, welcome you. For those joining us by way of our broadcast, there is a link right inside the broadcast description that you'll find uh, that you can click on and go right out online and you can fill out a connect card there. And uh, we will get that and we'll respond appropriately to let you know that we're really thankful that you're here and hope that we can come alongside of you 
and helps support and resource your spiritual development. That is why we exist. That's why God has put us together at Grace Crossing Church. Uh, we are here uh, to, to uh, resource, to disciple, to mobilize, to equip, to empower those who are aspiring to follow Jesus. And that aspiration may be new for you. It may be, it may be just starting out. Maybe you've been following Christ for a long time. Maybe you're new to the community. Um, and you're here, and you're looking for a church, and you're joining us today. If that's you, we welcome you. We're really, really thankful that you've come. We are this week in our sixth week of our series entitled Unshakable. Uh, we've been talking about the reality of what God promises in Scripture, that we have been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. When everything else around us is shaken, when everything else around us seems to be turned upside down, there is again a, a constant in the fact that God's kingdom will never be shaken. And, though, and therefore, we should come with gratitude. Our hearts should be filled with gratitude when we come. And the Bible says that we should then respond in worship to God. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to respond with gratitude out of our faith for what God has done for us out of reverence and awe for the fact that when everything is shaken in our life, God's kingdom is not shaken. God's presence is not shaken. God's constancy is not shaken. And our faith in that is what keeps us tethered and anchored to the Lord through these times and to one another. Really delighted this morning to have a friend of mine that's joining us uh, here that will be speaking about this topic, continuing our series. Uh, he's been with us in the past uh, to speak. His name is, is Caleb Ingram. Caleb is the executive director of an organization here in Dayton that I've been a part of the last a couple of years um, called Declare Dayton. And we're really excited to have Caleb with us. He'll be coming following our worship time this morning. But would you join me in welcoming Caleb? He's right here on the front. And uh, let's welcome him this morning as he'll be coming. Now let me read to you the verse that uh, we have used kind of as our, as our catalyst verse for this series. It's out of Hebrews 12th chapter uh, and verse number 28. And here's what it says. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. I think one of my favorite quotes of worship was given to us by a pastor author by the name of A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer said to worship is to feel in your heart and to respond in some appropriate manner with a humbling and admiring sense of awe in the presence of that most ancient mystery that philosophers call the first cause, but I call him my heavenly father. To worship is to feel. How do you feel about God today? How do you feel about the, the scripture I read out of Lamentations about his steadfast love? How do you, what does it do to your heart when you think about that? To worship is to feel. And then it's to respond or express in some appropriate manner a humbling and admiring sense of awe in the presence of that one that we call and we know as our Heavenly Father. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray and as we just open our hearts and we bring God this act of worship from our hearts, from the deepest part of us. Can we just bow our heads and quiet ourselves in the presence of the Lord for just a moment? And by way of invitation, perhaps there's a way that you want to express. Like, I love what A.W. Tozer said, to express in an appropriate manner.
when you think about what God's done for you, what's appropriate? Is it appropriate to open your hands to the Lord? Is it, is it appropriate to just simply respond with bended knee? Is it appropriate to raise up your arms high? Is that what would be appropriate? I don't know what it is for you, but can you just in a posture open yourself to God right now as I pray? Can you make yourself available to God? Can you say, God, I'm present with you right now, and I'm going to not pay attention to everything else going on around me. I just want to pay attention to you, and I want to pay attention to what you want to do in my heart today. God has a plan for you today. God has a purpose for you. That's why you're here, and we're going to, we're going to sense that as we let God speak to us this morning. So, Father, our Heavenly Father, we come with a humbling and admiring sense of awe to be in your presence today. You've given us the very breath that we breathe by which we return thanks, by which we lift up our voices in praise, by which we declare the goodness of God. Help us, I pray, to give you all of our being today because in you we live and in you we move and in you we have our being. And you said we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. God, we want to do that this morning. We want to give you all of us. So would you just have your way in our hearts as we celebrate, as we worship, as we receive of your word today and as we set our hearts before you as open books, open pages, whereby you can write your message today on the tablet of our heart. Meet us, I pray, God, today in a special way, each one of us, with your steadfast love and your mercy that is new every morning. We love you, we worship you, and we give thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you. Uh, and it has been a great blessing uh, to be able to serve alongside Pastor Gill for several years, as he mentioned now. Uh, one of the things that we've been able to be a part of is a group that often is called the, the Clergy Huddle. And it is a group of pastors from different ethnicities and denominations and geographical areas around the Miami Valley, but that are committed together to see the kingdom of God move forward in all matters, and particularly uh, acknowledging uh, what's been going on in our nation in the past and present uh, with race and racial disparities, but what the kingdom of God has to speak into that issue as we walk forward together as children of God. So Pastor Gill, that's been a great honor. Kelly, it's been good to meet you and uh, church family. Good to see. I do see a couple friends here, uh, so good to see a couple that I do know from before. And actually, a couple of, uh, one of our board members is here this morning. So I won't name names, but uh, it's good to be here. Uh, in, in the church family this morning. So I was so excited when I saw the theme of unshakable faith and Pastor Gill shared that verse at the end of Hebrews chapter 12 because that verse has been one of those verses I've been holding on to personally through this last year. We've probably all found ourselves finding some portion of scripture that has given us faith and hope and encouragement when we just don't get what's going on, right? We're so confused by so many things and we try to figure it out and we get overwhelmed and then we come back to that place of just trust and resting in the Lord. And uh, Hebrews 12 uh, and 27, 20, the end of the chapter of that we have been promised, though the world is shaking around us, right? The verses before that, though everything is shaking, everything will be shaken, we have been promised an unshakable 
kingdom. And what a beautiful promise that is. And I do feel like those verses describe so much of what we've seen this last year is that so many things we've taken for granted in the world that, well, of course, this is how life goes. Of course, this is when school starts and how this, the school year goes. And of course, this is how church goes. And we show up on Sunday morning, right? Almost everything that we counted on, we felt a shaking in those things. And really, again, we shouldn't be surprised because that's what the word of God has said. But what we know will not be shaken is the kingdom of God that we have been promised, that we are kingdom ambassadors of. So that's what I'm specifically going to share more about today. Uh, before I do that, I'm going to open in prayer, but that's, that's the tie into this topic of being members, not just members, but ambassadors for this unshakable kingdom of God. So let me pray and then we'll dive in. Father, we just thank you so much for uh, this church family. Thank you for the Grace Crossing family. Thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is inside of us and is flowing through us and is filling this room and this space right now. God, for those that are in their living rooms or maybe even driving as they're watching this live or later, God, thank you that your Holy Spirit is right there with them uh, in their hearts and in those rooms and vehicles or wherever else it might be that we cannot run from your presence. And thank you for the promise of an unshakable kingdom that we have in you. And thank you that you have called us and invited us to be kingdom ambassadors. Father, we're so humbled and honored by that. And we just ask that this morning you would uh, increase our understanding of what that means, that we would know what it is you've invited us to be and to do, and that you would also empower us to be able to do those things and to be able to uh, function in that capacity that you have invited us to. So Father, thank you for this morning. Open our hearts to your word as your spirit uh, works in and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this message is also, while it ties into this unshakable kingdom theme, it also is somewhat of a follow-up of last time I was here. So I had the opportunity to preach here in, uh, it was early November, believe it or not. It didn't feel like that long ago, but uh, time continues to move on. So early November, I was here and I preached a message titled God's Kingdom and Our Commission. So God's Kingdom and the Great Commission, what he's commissioned us to. And even though I am sure you remember every single thing I said that I, I, I'm counting on it. However, I see two new faces that weren't here last time. So for their sake only, I will do a brief review of that. Uh, so what I preached about was really this, this concept of God's kingdom that over the last several years, I've come to be aware that is actually this phrase, the kingdom of God is all over, all over the scripture, particularly the New Testament, but is all over scripture. And if it's there that much, and then I've even started to hear people say it like, oh, we're doing kingdom work. Uh, I found myself, I think I mentioned this last time, I found myself feeling a little bit like in the Princess Bride where they say, inconceivable. I do not think you know what that word means, right? Like we say this word, oh, let's do kingdom work. That's wonderful. But what in the world are we talking about when we say that? So we talked a little bit, what is God's kingdom? When Jesus came, there were promises like uh, he says, or even John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And there are verses that talk about the kingdom of God it's like a mustard seed that it starts the smallest of seeds, that it, but it grows and even, even birds and other things find shelter within its branches. There are promises that the kingdom of God will continue to grow to the ends of the earth. The gospel of the kingdom and of Jesus, so it's not an e 
either or, right? Jesus Christ, he, through the blood of Jesus, we are invited into this eternal kingdom, this unshakable kingdom that he has promised us. And the promise is it will, it will grow, Matthew 24, until this gospel of the kingdom of Jesus has reached the ends of the earth and then Jesus will return. So, so there's all of that. And the verse that I'm going to share, uh, that I shared that day, just in summary, is Philippians 3 and verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, there's, there's so many other passages that I shared last time, which I'm sure you could recite for me, but right now we're just going to focus on uh, Philippians 3.20. is a summary of all of that, that we are citizens in heaven, and from there we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Another passage that I talk about, so as we move forward, so there's, there's the review. Uh, but last time when I, when I shared that, there's, there's so much to talk about with the kingdom of God when it got to the point that was really supposed to be the application. Uh, I really had to kind of rush through it and, and then we moved along. So this message is going to share a little bit more biblical revelation about what the kingdom of God is and then talk more about the application. Take more time to talk about application. How do we actually live as kingdom ambassadors in this kingdom that we've been called to? Uh, and then the final thing is transformation, looking at what, what keeps us from walking fully as kingdom ambassadors? So, so that's what we're going to be looking at uh, today. So first, this revelation. What is it that God has revealed in his word? So the kingdom of God is not just some phrase we made up, so we don't actually have just permission to put all of our favorite feelings and theories on it because God actually, he created it and he has shared in his word what it means uh, to live, what his kingdom is, and then what it looks like to be kingdom ambassadors. So one verse that probably many of us would think of when we hear the phrase kingdom ambassadors uh, is a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, and this is the, the one verse we're really going to drill into more, but I'm actually going to read. You can leave that up, but I'm going to read from verses 16 through 21 to really capture more of the context of what's going on here with this verse. 2 Corinthians five sixteen. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if any was an in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Wow. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow, there is, there's so much truth in those verses. Uh, just a couple of things that I want to look at a little bit more. First of all, this miracle that this plan that God created, so creator of the universe could have chosen to do this any number of ways, 
the way he's chosen to establish and grow his kingdom that he's talked about, that he's promised will grow until Jesus returns. So this is not just an experiment for a little while. Like, like this is his vehicle of establishing his kingdom of goodness and righteousness and love and mercy across the entire earth. And then Jesus returns is through us. I mean, we stop and think about like, we know, we know us, right? If, if we're honest for a few minutes, we're like, God, didn't you have a better way? Were we the best? Was that really the best you could do? But that the point wasn't how capable we were, but the miracle that here we are even 2,000 years after Jesus's life and death and resurrection, that somehow by the grace of God, the gospel and kingdom of Jesus is still going forward, right? So it's not because we're so amazing when you think about it. Wow, Lord, that's a miracle alone that somehow 2,000 years later, in the midst of all of our confusion and false doctrine and selfishness and pride and church splits and all of those things, that the kingdom of God is still growing and the gospel of Jesus Christ is still going forth through us. There's not another vehicle that he's, he's called to do this. There's a general sense that people can look and see in creation, but scripture is clear. How, how can they know if they have not heard the good news of Jesus in the vehicle that he has beautifully designed and called for that to happen is through us, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verses um, really in 18, 19. All this is from God who, gave, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ, uh, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What a humbling honor that we have been entrusted with this this message of reconciliation, and we are ambassadors for Christ. So that's where that language comes in the next verse immediately following. We are ambassadors for Christ. So again, that's, that's wonderful. We all, I think we all have heard this verse, maybe another passage, like we're ambassadors for Christ. It's kind of a fun theme for VBS and things like that. You can pull it out. But most of us don't necessarily use, at least me, I don't use the verbiage of ambassador many times throughout the day. So as far as what that practically means, I think it can be good for us to just kind of take a look at that. So I, I actually have seen it. One, it's kind of a, a side note, but uh, growing up in New England skiing, they would have these ski mountain ambassadors. And what they would do is they would represent basically the mountain. They'd help you with this or that. So there are other places we use it, but one of the most common ways that we might see it is we're, I, we're familiar with this idea that there are international ambassadors, right? So the United States has ambassadors of the United States and other nations around the world. I don't have a full list. I'm not actually entirely learned up on how that whole process works, but I know that we have ambassadors in various locations around the world. And then similarly, other nations have ambassadors that represent those nations either here or elsewhere internationally. And uh, an ambassador, this is just, I dug deep, went on to Google, and here's what the Google told me. Ambassador, an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. So when we have an ambassador somewhere, um, fun fact, if you didn't know this, even Ben Franklin was actually an ambassador. I think it was in France for uh, part of his life that we might not know or focus on as much. But when an ambassador goes somewhere, their job in that place is to, so let's just say a, a United States ambassador, is to represent the United States in that place. So whatever country they're in, I've actually had the honor of meeting a couple of people who have served in that capacity internationally. And when they're there, they're in that nation, their job is they represent the United States. So they don't make up their own policies. They don't just go to a meeting. You know what? 
Here's the policy. That, that's actually not their job. They're representing a kingdom, if you will. In that case, they're representing the kingdom of the United States of America in that space and in the things that they say and the things that they do and they, they reflect. Now, here's, again, kind of a side note. That's not the main point, but I think it's worth us reflecting on. So an ambassador can either do a good job representing a nation or potentially they could do a poor job representing that nation, right? Depending on what they said, if they went off script, they just said, you know what? I really don't. This is what's going on. This is my own personal opinion, though. Like, I know this is the, the professional, but here, here's what I'm feeling. And, and frankly, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming that if an ambassador does that, as probably has happened at some point, there's a process to therefore remove that ambassador, right? And make sure that we have someone in those positions who is representing the United States in that way. Now, this is not a perfect parallel because I'm not suggesting that if we don't represent Jesus well, that we're no longer on the team. Thankfully, the grace of God, we, that's not how that works. However, it does make me think about if we're ambassadors for this kingdom of God, which we are, okay, so we are, how have we been representing him? And the question isn't whether or not we get to continue to be his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. That's part of our identity in Jesus Christ. But as we've been entrusted this message of reconciliation, it's a big deal. This is a huge job and opportunity and a blessing that we get to do this. And I think sometimes it's good for us to ask the question personally, and even as we look at kind of the church, maybe local church or even church corporately, when someone who doesn't know Jesus looks at all of us ambassadors for Jesus and his kingdom, what are, what are they seeing? Is it, wow, they're really representing Jesus well. And in some ways, I think we can be honest and humble and, and repent and say, Jesus, that wasn't, those words I said, how I communicated those things was not representative of, of you and of your heart and of your kingdom. Uh, so we've been invited to be and really are just by sheer identity ambassadors for Christ. And um, as we're ambassadors, what does this kingdom look like? Um, it's beautiful, I'll say that. When we, one of the, I would say, purest places that we see a picture in scripture of what does it look like? If you can imagine, imagine a time where the kingdom of God through all of us, through his kingdom ambassadors, is just as we're surrendered to him and as we're living our lives, sacrificing and, and blessing others and all that. I mean, if you can imagine how powerful and beautiful that picture would be, it's hard because we're so, so sometimes stuck in sin and in so many other things, right? But if we can imagine that, Let's go to Acts chapter two through four to give us a little bit of a picture of what that could look like, what this has looked like in the history of the church. So uh, Jesus ascended back to heaven and he said, wait, wait, I'm going to send a helper. We'll send the Holy Spirit. They didn't totally get what was going on, but thankfully there was a group, I think it was a group of 120 or so that were, were waiting and fasting and praying. Now, again, sidebar note, they weren't vegging out watching videos and having potato chips, they were like, there's significance that oftentimes when, when the Holy Spirit showed up and do something significant, and I do eat potato chips and stuff like that sometimes, but the point is there seems to be a consistent theme in scripture that oftentimes when the Holy Spirit showed up and did something really powerful, people were seeking a move of God and they were resting and they were waiting and that's what they were doing. They were obedient to what God had called them to do and they were waiting, they were fasting, they were praying and the Holy Spirit came just as Jesus had promised. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And if you remember the story, all kinds of things happened. So they started speaking in tongues and all of these different languages and people were like, what's going on? So this is uh, some of these God's church. So you're probably cool with the whole tongue stuff so I don't have to skip over that part. But the point is that the main 
the main event, the main thing that happened there wasn't that they spoke in tongues and people thought they were drunk and Peter was like, no, like it's for real. This is the Holy Spirit. That's why we can understand each other. It wasn't this just supernatural showdown of like who can speak in tongues better. What happened was through the Holy Spirit working in God's people, there was a testimony and thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ because of the Holy Spirit work. And it wasn't just for this moment. It wasn't just this one revival gathering. And one of the things we do sometimes as declares, we'll get together in a, in a park or in a stadium and just unite and proclaim the goodness of Jesus and declare the glory of God together. And that's beautiful. And we plan to keep doing that, but it can't stop in that one moment. Just like this, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit wasn't just for that particular day that the Holy Spirit came. If you read chapters two, chapters three, uh, chapters four, some incredible things happen. So in Acts chapter two, one of the descriptions of what happened is towards the end of that chapter. So we've had, I mean, days and weeks uh, go by, but the end of the chapter we read uh, Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. I mean, doesn't that sound beautiful? Imagine if in every local church across the city, we just said, man, day by day, there's, she came to know Jesus and he came to know Jesus and their whole family came to know Jesus and they got baptized. And that's, that's the story and it keeps going. And chapter three, the lame beggar was healed. And of course they, they had some pushback from the leaders that they were disrupting the system, but they prayed for boldness. God gave them boldness and faith. And the end of chapter four, so this is continuing on. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given given the testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. I mean, is this not incredible? Is it like this, it's not inspire you to say, wow, this is the kingdom of God is beautiful. And when God's people together are living as kingdom ambassadors in this community where I'm just imagining where not one person had a need that was unmet. I mean, how beautiful is that? And it was, nobody was for it, but through just generosity and relationships and trust that that was the case, that people loved one another so much and so well that they knew what was happening in each other's lives and they weren't okay with someone just facing a tragedy alone, but they were walking through that together. That's, that's kingdom of God stuff. And we would love to do that, but I know at least if you're like me, many days I don't wake up. That's not what I feel like is happening, right? And I know I believe the promises the kingdom of God is growing whether I feel it or not. But many days that's not when I just look with my physical eyes, that's not what I'm seeing happen. How can we live this out? Because we still have the same Holy Spirit that came and did those miracles. It's the same Holy Spirit that resides in us today. I think sometimes, none of us would probably say this, but I think we feel like the power of the Holy Spirit has just waned over time. 
right? Like, man, these miracles we see in scripture, but here we are 2,000 years later, we're just trying to hang on. But that's, that is not biblically true. The same Holy Spirit that miraculously turned the world upside down in the time of the early disciples who were not there because of their degrees or their pedigrees or their communication skills, but they were there because Jesus called them as ambassadors for his kingdom and he filled them with the Holy Spirit and said, you're up. Same thing he's doing right today. So if you're here in this room or you're listening online, Jesus has given his life for you. He's filled us with the Holy Spirit. And he says, okay, we're it. We're the ambassadors for Christ in this community right now, right here today. How we live this out. I, there's so many ways you could look at this for the sake of some sort of clarity in such a broad topic. Uh, I'm thinking this in four broad categories. So again, what, as you walk from here, instead of just being inspired by how wonderful it would be to see the kingdom of God move forth in this way, how can, how can you be a part of it? How can we be a part of it? How can our actions actually be furthering the kingdom of God as ambassadors for Christ? Uh, one way is just, it has to start personally, one-on-one. So even as we see these, again, these corporate revivals, if you will, that was the overflow of each individual, those 120, resting in the presence of God and waiting on him entrusting God to work in their lives. So you can't have the desired outcome corporately if the individual elements or ingredients aren't right. And most of us would know this if you're cooking something and you could, if you have bad ingredients, you mix together and it all looks wonderful at the end when you cook it and do all that, but someone's, you're still going to get food poisoning, even if it looks great, right? Or if you're an engineer or you're in construction, and you know the elements you're using to build or develop are not sufficient, but you just do it anyway, at some point you're going to have recalls because the door handles are going to be falling off, right? Whatever the, whatever the thing is, like we understand how that works, but somehow we think we can short circuit the spiritual system and go for the end result when we've never taken time to develop that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that we have the honor of we can, talk to, we can talk to the Lord anytime we want to. He's given us his word that we can read. So just an encouragement, this starts personally, individually. Living this out in your family and in close relationships, uh, God describes in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 6, 4, just the beautiful design and model he has for his family, sacrificing, submitted to the Lord Jesus together. So again, within our family, so personally, but then within our family, within our home, even before we get out of the home, that is where the kingdom of God work, ambassadors for Christ's work starts as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, as daughters, and as sons in that place. In your local church and community, when you, if you read through Acts 2 through 4, many of the things that I summarize and you could read about cannot happen outside the context of God's design for a local church. And I'm not talking as much about the building. If we were forced to, we've already gone through some COVID and done some stuff online in smaller groups. God could work without the building. The building is wonderful to be able to engage and worship together in. But what we can't do without is this fellowship of, you can't have everything in common if you have no one to be in common with. 
right? We, we need these relationships, this accountability, this growth. So just practical encouragement, being an engaged and involved in your local church family. And this, I didn't get paid to say this, but I'm guessing this would be something that he would love to hear too. Pastor Gill is be involved even in smaller settings than this within the local church, right? Where a lot of the one another's of scripture happen is in Bible studies and small groups and serving on a team in some way, even more intimate than this gathering on Sunday morning. So be, be really involved in sacrificing and giving in purposeful where you are. One simple way in, throughout history, but particularly today, that moving the kingdom of God forward as the devil, part of his strategy in dividing is to say, let's divide around something as obvious as people's skin tone and culture and ethnicity. Well, one way we can break down that dividing wall that the the world and the devil is trying to raise up between us is to simply intentionally build cross-cultural relationships and with people who may look or think different than us or vote differently than us, but say, we are united in common as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And so we're going to pursue those relationships. So it can, all of these things can be that simple. Wherever God has placed each one in this room, if you work in corporate America, if you're a tradesperson, or if you're staying at home, serving and loving your family and community in that way, God has placed each of us in every one of those places. You may be retired and the world may tell you that you've done your part. Well, thank you for your service, but you're still a kingdom ambassador, right? We don't retire from that. That's an opportunity we walk with until we're reunited with Jesus someday. So every one of us is part of that plan and living this out regionally, there are opportunities. Uh, Part of what we do as Declare is to try to have at least monthly serving opportunities across the region that you can partner with churches all across the city and serve together and make a kingdom impact together, even outside of this local body. Uh, So we have opportunities there, but internationally, uh, I'm sure there are international missionaries that are connected with and supported by Grace Crossing Church that you could build a relationship with and support and learn from. As well. So, those are some practical ways that every one of us can be actively operating in our role as kingdom ambassadors. And I say that purposefully because our identity is that we are kingdom ambassadors. That's already what Jesus has made us. So, it's simply a question of are we, are we operating in that? Are we doing what Jesus has invited us to do in that role? But the last thing is this transformation piece. So we talked about revelation, what God's word describes, application, how we can with our lives actually be part of this beautiful process God has designed. But this transformation, why, why doesn't, why don't we see more of this? Why don't we see more of this Acts 2 through 4? Just incredible miracles, the power of God flowing through his people in such a contagious way that the world around us just sees, sees these people of Jesus and says, I want whatever they have. As they get close, they say, Jesus Christ is who they have. The Holy Spirit within them is who they have. And they say, how, what can I do to be saved? Right? That's the kind of thing we see happen in Acts 2 through 2 and 3 and 4. Why don't we see more of this? And my heart hungers and my heart longs for it. And I've asked the Lord, Lord, Why not today? I've prayed for revival. Can we see your kingdom go forth? Lord, what is preventing us? And as I prayed through this, I believe one of the things God revealed is that what keeps us from God's goodness and his plan for us in so many ways, including his kingdom, is is sin, right? Is brokenness between us and God as we personally, or even in our culture, corporately, have violated God's plan 
in design. And it's not just coincidental, I don't think, that I don't want to paint just this wonderful picture of what we see in Acts 2 through 4 without acknowledging in Acts 5, you have Ananias and Sapphira show up. And they sold the field and said, here's the proceeds from the field, except it was only part of the proceeds from the field. But they lied and they said it was all of the proceeds from the field. And we see in a very strong way, God's saying he was not, not okay with that. So even in early in early church history, they encountered these challenges quickly. So I don't want to paint this picture like the first hundred years were cruising and then it got like, no, very quickly they encountered the sinfulness of mankind, of men and women and how we, we lie and how we deceive and how we dishonor and how we are, are selfish and all of those same things we're dealing with today that they, that they dealt with. But today, as we look at this and as we, we invite the Holy Spirit to transform us and to remove our sin from it, to repent of our sin, I do think it's important to note there are at least two categories, at least two ways that sin is preventing us from fulfilling this kingdom mandate, or at least it feels like it is. And the first one I think we need to acknowledge is sins that have been committed against us. So we're not personally responsible for these things. Um, but for example, we, uh, my wife and I, we have a dear friend who part of her story and her testimony is that as a teenage girl, she was raped. And there is shame that has been associated with that and challenges then uh, also wonderful miracles of her daughter that she's had the opportunity to raise and that we've been able to get to know and invest in her life. Um, but there are times that we're sinned against that we shouldn't feel God is not asking us to feel shame because of those ways that we've sinned against, or even when we're dealing with corporate sin in things that we all face, like, like sickness in our world today, that scripture is clear. It's not because of somebody's personal sin that they became sick, but because of the curse of sin in the world, we have to deal with those things. But my encouragement here in this category is even though many times it may feel like a distraction, when we're facing these challenges. It may feel like a distraction from the kingdom when we're caring for an elderly parent. It may feel like, man, there's, there's so many impactful meetings I could be at if only I wasn't here. It can feel that way sometimes, but my encouragement here is that every one of these opportunities is part of what God has called us to as ambassadors for Christ in those most vulnerable and intimate moments to be present and to be the hands and feet of Jesus there in those relationships even if the world never publicly applauds us for it, that is being Jesus in those places and that God can receive glory in those things. And I believe every one of you and us in this room has seen God do that through the lives of Pastor Gill and Kelly, trusting in the Lord that his kingdom is at work even through them and especially through them as they say, Lord, our faith and our hope and our trust is in you. And I know for me, I can speak for myself, your trust and your faithfulness in responding to the Lord has been an incredible testimony of the power of God at work. So he is not taking off course of the mission he has for you, but he is displaying his power and his beauty and his love so wonderfully through you during this time. So thank you for that. And what God has done in this relationship, I'm sure has happened in many other times in this church room that I just don't know about, that walking in trust in the Lord is is a testimony of the kingdom of God at work. And then the second half of this, the final piece of this, is sin that we personally commit. And I think about this picture. 
why the kingdom of God isn't moving forward in the way that we read about in Acts 2 through 4. Uh, we read in Hebrews 12, verses, well, right in the first verse. So the first verse in the chapter of Hebrews 12, where we get to this unshakable kingdom of God, right? The first verse says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. Does anybody else feel that? This sin which clings so closely. Let us lay aside that weight. And so I, I have this picture in my head that as we're ambassadors for Christ, sometimes we're trying, we're trying to run this race, but our shoulders are so stooped down from sin and shame that we're carrying and they're chains behind our feet. And we're, we're, we're trying to run the race, but this is, this is what we feel like. Are we, can I just make it there? And is it any wonder that the kingdom of God isn't rushing forth in the way that God has described when, when this is the posture that, that many of us are in? If you, if you set 10 people up to start a marathon and you throw chains around the ankles of five, they're going to be significantly behind the others. And what I want to end with is an opportunity for each of us, for those personal sins that we have committed— for each of us to repent of those. When John the Baptist came, again, one of the first things he said was, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus continued that repent. And sometimes we think of this, this harsh God who wants to condemn us. And I'm, I'm not here this morning to try to just make you feel more guilty about the shame that you're already feeling because of sin that you already know you're walking in, whether it's pride and arrogance or dishonesty or marital unfaithfulness or division and polarization and sowing discord into the body, uh, whether it is part of my story when I was in college, well, for 10 years of my life uh, leading up to when I was in college, um, battled with pornography. And I, I know that the shame that I carried for a decade of my life, well, on one hand, I was ministering, helping lead worship at college, but there is so much, I'll just put it this way, so much kingdom energy and focus, mental energy and focus that was stolen from me, allowed to be stolen from me because of the sin and shame that I was walking in and I was doing this at the same time. And thankfully, by the grace of God, one day as I was walking across campus and I was reading and I, I felt so terrible because I knew I did not want to walk in that sin. I knew I was dishonoring women. I knew I was dishonoring my future wife. And I didn't want to do that anymore. And I was walking. God led me to James chapter 5. And in verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And it was one of those moments for me that I just, I knew what God was asking me to do it was that night. So I went to Cedarville University, a Christian college. And that night we had our dorm meeting, uh, 20 guys in my hall. And I knew, I knew what God was asking me to do was to confess my sin. Cause I got to the last person said, yes, Lord, I want to be healed. He says, yes, that's, that's what my desire is for you. But there's steps before that praying for one another. And it's hard for people to pray for you in that way. If you've not confessed your sins to one another. And so by the grace of God, I am so, so thankful. He gave me the courage that night at the door meeting with 20 guys that before that, I was trying to keep the face of, I'm the ministry guy who you can look up to and respect and just be vulnerable and say, I need to confess my sins before you as brothers to pray for me and hold me accountable. And God broke something that night. He broke something spiritually that night and praise God for the last 10 years of my life. That has not been my story. And I've been able to walk and love my wife and love my girls and love my, and experience the beauty of, oh, the beauty of God's plan for us. 
And so I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what it is that is in between you and this life of freedom and joy and purpose and being a kingdom ambassador for God. But what I'm here to say is God is a loving father. He's not just here to make you feel terrible about it. He's here to invite you to release that to him and to repent and just to, for, he, to completely forgive you and to have you not continue to walk in that shame this week or next week or the week after. And I believe that as we do this together corporately across Grace Crossing as a church and across the greater Dayton region as churches, that we will begin to see the kingdom of God go forth as we represent him as kingdom ambassadors in such a powerful way that we may have never seen before that prepares the way, as Matthew 24 talks about, for Jesus to return. So as we close, there's going to be one more song. Uh, there will be an opportunity for, for you to receive prayer with the elders. After that song, Pastor Gill will come up and share that. But whatever it is, if there's anything, if you just need prayer and encouragement because you've been sinned against and you need strength and courage for this week, we'd encourage you to receive prayer. But if there's something in your life that you know is preventing you from walking and running the race, running the race with complete freedom as a kingdom ambassador of Jesus, my invitation to you would just be, would, would you just leave that here today? Would you not leave this place carrying that any longer, but leave that here at the foot of the cross that you can walk in full freedom and surrender as members of this unshakable kingdom? Thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.